Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that highlights a wide range of challenges and triumphs that our military-connected kids experience. My name is Dickie Harrison, and I'll be your host today. We would like to say thank you for the support of the Ramstein Enlisted Spouses Association for this episode. Joining me today is a really great guest. I am so excited for her to be here. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Thank you so much, Nikki, for having me on today. My name is Atia Ingram. I am from West Philadelphia. I went to the Philadelphia High School for Girls and then to Hampton University, which is at HBCU in Virginia. That is where I met my Marine. He wasn't a Marine at that time. <laughs> uh, but that's where we met at, in college. And I was married to my Marine right before I graduated with my degree in accounting. We quickly began our family. So we have three children who are now all college age young adults. Very proud of them. And we continue to walk this path in the military, specifically the Marine Corps. And this has been great. I am an entrepreneur and I've been blessed to be able to work and be self-employed throughout most of his career. That's fantastic. And I love your story of meeting each other while you were in college. Now, is your husband also from West Philadelphia? No, he is actually from Richmond, Virginia. His family is still all in Richmond and mine is pretty much still all in Philadelphia. That has not changed, which is nice. Well, that's fantastic. It's nice to know that your families aren't too far from each other. I know one of the things that we are going to be talking about is the experience of a military spouse and especially being a military spouse that is a person of color. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about your experience and if you feel like it's been different for you. This is the only experience I know. You know, I didn't come from a military family. Like I didn't grow up, you know, as a military child or had a lot of people in my family who had a career in the military, especially the Marine Corps. Nobody was a Marine on my side of the family. So I, I really just didn't even know what I was getting into. So everything to me was new. Was it different than everybody else's? Yes. I think everybody can answer in that way that their experience to them feels different because of you know, what they're coming in with, the knowledge they have, how quickly they feel like they can acclimate to the culture or not, you know, so those types of things. Thanks for for saying that, that everyone's experience is a little bit different. And it's funny because I come from a military family. My mom was a military spouse. My dad was in the Air Force as a Vietnam veteran. And so I had a little bit of history watching this experience that my mom had. So even though your experience has been personal to you, do you feel like you've had any challenges along the way? Do you feel like you've been accepted? Do you feel like you belong in the spaces that you've been in? You know, I could definitely think of times where people made me feel like I wasn't welcome or did something specifically. And this was early in my Marine's career, you know, when he was a lieutenant. But I also am the type of individual who 
always had a level of self-confidence that I do feel like if I show up, I belong in that space. You know, I, I'm not letting someone else decide whether or not I belong. That's up to me and, you know, my level of comfort. I've had the occasional incident that clearly was race related. I don't know if anybody of color had gotten out of this environment without having those interactions, unfortunately. But I can't say that those interactions are unique to the military or the Marine Corps. I could have likely had a similar interaction if we were civilians. You know, as we know, the military, the Marine Corps specifically, is just a microcosm of society as a whole. So if we see racism in society, we will see racism in the military and in the Marine Corps. Absolutely. And I love that you said that you had a level of self-confidence that you carried yourself with, that you always felt like you belonged, like you didn't maybe second guess whether you were supposed to be there or not. You just, if you were there, you were there. And so I feel like as a military spouse, who's also a person of color, the same thing. I feel like I just went to things and made my way and <laughs> and that's how we met. <laughs> Built some friendships and, yeah. you know, you just, you know, make your own seat at the table. So you're raising African-American military children. Can you talk a little bit about their experience? Because I feel like our military kids have such a different experience than we do, obviously, as spouses. Mm -hmm. And I took the time to talk to my kids specifically about this. And of course, we've had many conversations on this topic because this is their life. And in large part, my children have loved their military experience. I will say it wasn't until they got to college that they really began to appreciate that experience. And a lot of that just comes with maturity. Because again, like the life you live is the only life you know, right? You don't really have a lot of comparison. And as they're growing, they're still surrounded by other military kids. So it's not until they go off to college that they're now surrounded by society, you know, not just our little bubble of the kids on base. They really began to appreciate the skills that they have of being comfortable. Again, that same thing we just talked about, being comfortable in a room, feeling like they belong, you know, not being afraid to introduce themselves. Those are the skills that our military kids quickly have to grab hold of and utilize. Hey, I'm new today, but tomorrow there's going to be another new kid. Like you, you don't get to be the new kid long, right? Because it, it's just happening so fast. And so that realization of how to treat people based on how they want to be treated when they're the new person or having a new experience, the military culture and community served them well in that regard and really helped ease them in socially to college life. So that's been tremendous for my children. And then just being in the military, it really afforded my husband and I had the opportunity to expose our children to so many different cultures and experiences, which was our goal back in college when we fell in love and knew we wanted to have a family. Like we didn't know it was going to look like this in the Marine Corps for, you know, 20 plus years. But we understood just based on our upbringing, how important it was to expose our children to as much as we could to help them become the type of individuals we wanted them to be. And the Marine Corps specifically has helped us in that way. 
obviously, you know, I'm in Japan. So we we lived in Japan three times, um, which is a wonderful experience. We've lived in Germany. We've lived in multiple states in the United States. And as you can imagine, travel the world, you know, in conjunction with living in those duty stations. And that probably would not have been possible without the Marine Corps, especially early in our parenting journey. You know, when we first moved to Japan, the kids were one, three, and five. I don't know that we would have been able to afford to just like live in Japan when they were one, three, and five <laughs> if it were not for the Marine Corps. And it was part of the reason why my spouse retained and is still a Marine because we quickly understood that we were able to shape this life for our children that we didn't think we could offer them otherwise. And so we're still here. Yes. And the military is amazing for that, right? The opportunities that they provide. And as someone that was a military child who didn't understand the significance and the impact that it had on my life until I was far into adulthood, you are absolutely right. The experiences that we've had are just incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Air Force, because I was an Air Force child. And thank you, Marine Corps, because I was a Marine Corps spouse. So we'll say thank you to both of those. I've read that military kids are less likely to see color because of the high levels of diversity within the military community. It's a microcosm of society. You have the opportunity to live all over the world and experience different cultures. And there's so much diversity within the military community. So this idea of kids not seeing color, do you believe this is true? Yes or no? No, I do not believe it's true, nor do I want it to be true. Personally, uh, as a person of color, I want people to see my color. It's a part of me. I want you to see me. I think that's one of the biggest things all of us, you know, as human beings on this planet, we want to be seen and heard. You know, I want you to see me and then I want you to be curious. I want you to see my children and I want you to be curious. And I'm going to try to do the same thing. When I see those differences, that should make me curious and want to lean in and learn more about you about where you grew up, about your culture, your family, what food you like, the music you listen to, all of the things that make us unique. If I don't notice the difference, you know, if I'm not acknowledging that I see difference, then what makes me curious? Well, why would I lean in and put myself out there to get to know you? So I, yeah, I hear people say that and I think they're genuinely coming from a good place. And to be honest, I only hear people not of color using that term. That is not something that those of us in the Black community or other cultures I ever hear saying, I don't see color. Don't see me with color. I'm sure there are those out there. I'm not speaking for everybody. I can only speak to what I hear and the people that I talk to. So yes, see color and appreciate color and be curious about me because of what you see and be curious about my children. And maybe you'll learn something, you know, maybe you will dispel a stereotype you had before you met us and talked to us. And and, and the same for me, because it goes both ways. You know, when you lean in and ask me questions or my children questions, we're going to do the same because I'm just as curious. I've learned so much in this community just from doing that. 
this is a very diverse military, but we also have to acknowledge that the diversity is mostly in the enlisted ranks. It's not in the officer ranks, especially in the Marine Corps. So oftentimes, my children had still been the only Blacks in a lot of their environments because if it's an environment that's specific to the officer population or a duty station like a Stuttgart, Germany, where my husband was a major, where very few Black Marines and Black families were there, that means very few Black children are going to be on the playground and in the classroom. We appreciate the diversity, but it's not always a given just because we're military. We're still in another group which is that officer population where the numbers are just not there. I think that's great to note about the diversity and it not being something that we just assume exists within the military community. And it's funny because, you know, we are a mixed ethnicity family. I'm Black, my husband's white. And so we had to learn a way to navigate as well within the military community, within the Marine Corps, because our experience is very different being a mixed couple. And I would absolutely agree with you that we need to see color. I'm with you. I feel like see me and embrace that. Right. I wanted to talk a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI. It has become a very popular topic over the past few years. You have companies and organizations bringing people on that specialize in diversity, equity, and inclusion. What do you think about the military community benefiting from these practices? Because I know the, the military has also really started to talk about this diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, I can't speak fully on DEI as it pertains to the active duty population, because obviously, you know, I'm not the service member. Like anything, any education, I'm all for it, right? So DEI, whatever you want to call it, if, if you're teaching people something and it's based on fact, then I'm all for it, no matter what community you belong to. I will say as a military spouse, my only exposure to, you know, DEI type training has come once my husband was at a leadership level, a commander level. And obviously, you know, Nikki, that there is a small group of people, right, who is afforded the opportunity to command, you know, at the lieutenant colonel, colonel level and on. And so it makes you think, well, then, What's being told, if anything, to the rest of the population that is not a commander, their spouse is not a commander. So the answer to that is probably nothing. Like, you know, they have to get it on their own, which is unfortunate. I think there should be opportunities for people to learn more as it relates to this space without learning it just because your spouse has been chosen for command and now you're thrust into leadership. But, you know, inevitably, even in those rooms that I've sat in where DEI training was done, it is very common to have a person not of color stand up in front of the crowd at the end. And it's upset that they had to sit through that training. So it's very interesting. You know, like I personally would never be upset that I'm in a classroom to learn any topic. You know, I don't care what it is. Growing up, all through school, the least that we learned about was African-American history. 
<laughs> we learned about everything else but our own history. Never once did it dawn on us to be upset about that. So it is interesting to, as an adult, sit in these spaces where, you know, we're forced to learn more about other cultures and experiences and to see senior leaders stand up in opposition. It is disappointing. That is really unfortunate because you're right. We had to learn about, you know, everyone else's history and they're not being a priority placed on ours, maybe except during Black History Month when, you know, we get lots of posts and lots of history. You know what this made me think about, though, when you were talking about the training and being able to receive that training, but of course at a, a senior leadership level, is I thought about a few years ago, the book club that we had started. It was a, a little virtual book club and we were reading, you know, different selections every month. And it was a group of women, Marine Corps spouses, all of us from different walks of life coming together and educating one another. Yeah, I just thought, that was amazing. And how could you take something that we did, you know, just as a a group, really small and make it bigger and to educate others? Because I think that's so important. Right. And it and it was great. I mean, we saw a need, right, Nikki, that we wanted to have the conversation with all spouses, not just spouses of color. It was great to lean into that topic and, you know, discuss Some of the things that we in the Black community specifically are are like very normal to us, terms that are very normal to us that we just didn't even realize, like passing was not a term that people outside of the Black community even heard of before, you know, so you learn a lot and there's no judgment. Again, this is learning, you know, so one should never be upset or offended to learn about what the norms are in someone else's culture. So hopefully the people who do get upset, those, you know, few who stand up in those types of training remain the minority and we can continue to push forward as a collective to make sure we're being educated on all diversity issues. Because it's not just diversity in education about Black people and the Black experience. And I think that's another misnomer is people feel like, oh, I have to do this DEI and learn all about Black history. No, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion include lots of demographics, not just the Black community, right? You have your LGBTQ community, you know, women fall into that category, trans people. So you just have a, a lot that's covered there. And again, these are the same people that are in our armed forces. And so we need to be aware of their experiences and how they differ from our own. Yes, for sure. And acknowledging that we've come a really long way as well. I chat with my dad who was in the military in the the 60s and ask him what he sees. And he's like, you know, we've come a really long way from where I started. And so I think the goal is to keep pushing forward, to move forward and continue to make the improvements, to grow, to develop and educate ourselves. And so that leads me into the research that's being done on the experiences of military families of color. And you have some military service organizations and veteran service organizations 
that have started to do this research over the past couple of years and realize that this is something that we should be looking at. In your opinion, what could be done to create a sense of belonging for our military families of color? Do you think that military families of color feel maybe a little disconnected? You know, again, I personally was able to adapt, but I do hear from other spouses that feeling of disconnect. And I really think something we can do better, and again, my experience is is specific to the Marine Corps, is that just tell more stories. I mean, we're humans. We love stories, right? But in the Marine Corps specifically, it's kind of hard to find stories about Blacks in the Marine Corps specifically, right? You, I mean, we it's the same one that circulate, you know, you got your Peterson and, you know, like those handful, right? But it's like, okay, can you show us something different? Because again, a lot of us come from, and I'll speak for myself, either we come from families in the Black community that did not have this career in the military. You know, my grandfathers were drafted during World War II and my grandfather, highly intelligent, you know, he ended up being the president of the UAW meeting with the president of the United States. But when he was drafted, he shucking potatoes in some obscure location, not utilizing his talents. So, of course, he's not going to stay in the armed forces. Right. And then on my husband's side of the family, his father was a Marine served in Vietnam and loved being a Marine, but he wasn't afforded the opportunity to be an officer in the Marine Corps. And the same for my husband's brother, who was a Marine. So for a lot of us, we just don't have a history like to see the stories and success of what it can look like to be, you know, in the military, make it a career or be an officer or even just as high as you can go in the enlistment ranks. You know, we just don't see that because the opportunities weren't there for us. So those are not the stories most of us grew up hearing. For me growing up, it was like, you only went to the military if you, it was like juvie or the military. (laughs) So that was not a positive association with like, let's serve our country, which is unfortunate. I never saw a military recruiter in my neighborhood, in my high school. It wasn't until I got to college where I see like, you know, meet my husband, like, oh, ROTC? What is that? Oh, they paid for school? Well, had I known that, I might have been curious. I might have joined myself, you know? I don't know. But again, you know, we just don't have that history. And so I think at a minimum, the Marine Corps, the military as a whole can do a better job of telling all of the stories that they have. And especially while many of that generation are still here, you know, time is short for all of us. And so we still have Tuskegee Airmen. We still have Montfort Point Marines. You know, we still have these individuals with this rich history whose story you know, should be told. Or just, you know, Sam Jones, who was an AM tracker back in the 80s. Or, you know, so it doesn't always have to be like this monumental feat. Yeah. But we just need to see like people had come before us and they succeeded. And this was a good thing for their family to serve in the military and make a career, especially, and to have your kids grow up in this, right? Because as parents, I know that's always my concern. Like, what, how is this going to affect my children? We never want to expose them to anything that we are afraid of or we think might be detrimental to them. So we have to be aware of that. And again, those stories. And so we're blessed to like know each other, you know, have mentors that maybe we were able to speak to. You had your mom, you know, who could say like, it's okay. You know, here's what it can look like. 
tell stories. I love that. And the personal connection that's made through storytelling, being honest, being authentic in those stories, I think is really important and we can learn from each other. And I think the key thing you just said there, Nikki, is being honest in that storytelling. And in my opinion, I think that is a reason why we don't see the stories as it relates to people of color, because then the military and the Marine Corps specifically will have to confront, honestly, its treatment of that population. And I imagine that that is a very hard pill to swallow because you have to acknowledge the commandants and the leadership that we have had that was racist and their pictures are hanging up. You know, so how do you have that conversation comfortably and tell those stories honestly it can be hard. It can be challenging, but I do believe it can and should be done. Yes, for sure. So I would love to know if you have any advice, I'm sure you do, for military spouses of color that are trying to find their way. And I think back to, you know, when I was a second lieutenant's wife and I was new and I was trying to figure out how I fit in and trying to learn all the things, right? right? The culture, the people. I was real good with the Air Force, but the Marine Corps was a different beast. I had to really learn different things. So I would love to know what advice that maybe you have. My biggest advice to spouses, whether you're a lieutenant spouse, a sergeant spouse, a general spouse, or the Lance Corporal spouse, is really just focus on yourself, what makes you happy as an individual, and being excellent in that. When I started out telling about my bio, it's like, I met my husband in college. He was not a Marine officer. He was not, you know, none of that stuff. Like, and he met me. I was not a military spouse, right? So I, that's not how we measure, you know, greatness in our family, like what he's doing career-wise or what I'm doing career-wise. And I feel like a lot of spouses, in my experience, will default to, you know, whatever is going on in their military spouse's career. Like that becomes the forefront and they kind of take a seat back. You have to remember like who you are as an individual, what makes you unique and what you bring to any relationship or any room. And so as a young spouse, I knew who I was. You know, I grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia, but had the privilege of being exposed to multiple activities and camps and different programs where I was the only Black child there. You know, but then I would go back to my neighborhood, you know, where it was all Black. So I got to kind of live in both worlds in this duality and it served me well. And then going to an HBCU where, you know, I just was able to bloom and, and become confident as a Black woman specifically. Just bringing that and having that opinion that if I show up and I'm bringing the best of myself for the benefit of this group, either you appreciate it or you don't. But at the end of the day, the beauty is I get to choose. If I don't feel like you value what I'm bringing to the table, or I don't want to be at that table for whatever reason, then I get to choose and I get to say, okay, well, I'll see you later. And then who I am, the, the skills that I have, 
my personality. I can go over to this other group. Nobody says that I have to do everything with the Marine Corps because my husband's a Marine, right? I, I can do it with my sorority. I can do stuff with my church. I can do stuff in my kids' school. It's up to me to choose like where I'm most comfortable. But in all of that, the focus is really on like what brings me joy? What is it that I want to do? And then how can I help you know, others around me based on what I'm comfortable with. My husband, you know, he's, you know, a commander. We've been in command positions and, you know, he will often say, hey, babe, it'd be great if you can do, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six things for me by Friday. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. But I can just do like numbers one, three, and seven. Yeah, that's it. Like, because based on what I know about me and the time that I have and how I want to structure my week, I can't do all that. And I have to be real about that and then not just do things that are outside of my comfort zone and outside of my capability and expertise, because inevitably I'm just kind of setting myself up to fail. And so I do feel like as a spouse of any age, don't pressure yourself to belong or to do things that you truly are just not comfortable doing. That's okay. Like work on yourself and you will find those spaces where you will be welcome where you will be missed if you're not there. Like, that's how I feel. Like, if I don't show up for something, I want people to to wonder why I'm not there because I'm bringing something to the table that nobody else can bring. Nobody else is a Tia. Nobody else has the background that I have, the experiences that I have. So I know if I'm not there, something is missed. Now, whether people value that or not, you know, that's a whole other discussion, right? But I get to choose, you know, if I want to be there or not. And it's okay to say no, because again, that requires that oftentimes you have to say no to people or to groups of people when you know that that's just not a good fit for who you are. I think that is so important. I just want to highlight that again, that you said to really focus on yourself and who you are. And I think that's really important for you know, younger military spouses who are coming in. I feel like once you do that, then the rest kind of falls into place. Mm-hmm. You know, you end up finding your way. Uh, you know, those people that are your people finding you or you end up finding them. And so I think that's a great piece of advice. And I am going to add, just be open. Right. I think be open to the experience. I think that's really important when you're coming in. You know, you might be scared. There's maybe some anxiety, stress, but be open to the possibility. And I can say that now after, you know, my husband has now retired from the Marine Corps. He's been retired for about a year and a half. I look back and I think to myself, you know, be open. That's great. And it's a great thing to model for our children. Our children could care less, you know, what we do professionally, like any child, you know? <laughs> like they're your mom and dad to us. And so we want to model that we are individually, you know, focused on excellence and that will convey in everything that we do. And I think that you answered my next <laughs> my question, which is going to be, you know, advice about raising military children of color. Again, just self, you know, as the mother in the home, I always felt like I get to set the tone. The reality is we are in the military. 
things come with that. We will be moving. Sometimes it will be short notice. Sometimes it will be to locations that we would rather not go, right? Like this is, we know this in large part, like what this looks like. It's not hard to just like quickly look over and see like the life of a military family, right? And so, you know, letting our children know, like it's okay. And throughout all of the transition and those things that we can't control, again, like this is just a small example of life for them. You are not going to be in control of everything. And that's okay. You're going to have to do things and work with people that maybe are not ideal and you will be fine. How do you find that silver lining? And again, still get something out of it for yourself to put in your toolkit to prepare you for the next thing. And one of the good things about the military and for our children to see too is just that everything is temporary and that really is life. You know, my daughter went to four high schools. She has the trophy in the family, right, for the most high school. And that's just high school. So you can imagine prior to that, but it's temporary. So wherever, you know, God plants you, you do your best. And as parents, just really observing our children, being real about, you know, these little cute little people we are raising. And that way we can provide them the opportunities. Like my daughter was a soccer athlete. That's a no-brainer when we get orders somewhere. I'm going to be looking at winter tryouts. You know, what are these things that she probably didn't have awareness of because she's in the weeds of like, oh, my friends, I'm leaving, you know, and that's normal. But I have to move the family along, you know, to this next phase because it's happening. And my children, as I'm sure all children, they're looking to me to set that tone. You know, if I'm upset, if I'm complaining because this is the life we chose, if I'm doing that, well, then that green lights them to do the same. And that's unacceptable. We can't all be in here complaining. <laughs> you know, that's not going to work. I control what I can. I make sure I stay connected so that whichever way life takes us, I can quickly form community. I can reach out to people for help. I know that I'm not alone on this journey, which is a blessing in the community and that our children get to see that too. Like I said, my children are in college and each one of them have run into somebody in college that they knew. I mean, because this is how small the world is. And so again, it took for them to like leave the house to fully appreciate that. In that moment, I'm sure it was challenging for them to move and, and this and that. And sometimes we've had to move them to places that honestly, like I was afraid for my children. And that's a hard thing to do as a parent. You know, that was like the one time where I kind of looked at Geo Batch and like, you know what, babe, this might be the one. And I'll just meet you over here, you know, see you when you get finished. Those are hard, but again, like we're including our children in those conversations, but we want them to be aware of what's going on. And then in the end, for them to understand why we made the decisions we made. Because for us, you know, even in that situation where it was like that fear because of where we were going and what we perceive, you know, could be all the hurdles we would have to face. Our goal as a family is to always be together. My husband and I always say we're better together, period. So whatever that looks like, that's going to be our priority. And then really when the day comes that we can't be together, we know we won't be better then it's probably time to shift gears and retire or move on to the next great thing. And that's okay too. So just being open to all that and including our children in those conversations. I don't think we do them any good by like sheltering them from those hard conversations because this is their life too. 
they get a vote. Now it doesn't have the same weight, of course. Yeah, <laughs> my vote. But they do get one. And I, you know, I have to appreciate that. My youngest, he wanted to come to Okinawa and it was his senior year. He was empowered because he understands his role in the family that is valuable and he will be heard. And again, just like we talked about earlier, right? That's what we all want to know. Like we're heard and that we're being seen and that, you know, what we say and who we are as human beings on this planet, it matters. Yeah, I think that positive attitude that you have when you're looking at the transitions and the changes. The one thing I've been asked, how did you feel about being a military kid when you were growing up? And I always said, you know, my parents were always so positive about everything. We spent almost 10 years overseas. My mom was always positive. Wasn't until much, much later in life, I was well into adulthood, that I learned like there are some places that she just hated. My brother and I, we didn't know because it was always like an adventure. Let's figure out, you know, you're in this activity. He's in that activity. Let's get you connected and just really made it seem so effortless. And then I was going through it myself and I was like, no, this messed up. Like, I know you, I know you weren't happy all the time. You were dealing with what I'm dealing with. So yeah, I love that. Like the positive attitude, including them in those decision makings, making them a part of the conversation, having them realize that they're invested as well, I think is really important. There's no community like the military community. I mean, the the camaraderie, the the friendships, the connection, everything about who we are, I think is amazing and incredible. And so thankful that you spend time chatting with me today and talking about your experience. Thanks. Just thank you. I mean, I'm just thankful that we have been able to have the experiences that we've had. Absolutely. And I appreciate you having me on as a guest. I'm blessed to know you and consider you a friend. That, of course, as you know, is a wonderful benefit to this lifestyle as we get to pick up friends along the way from all over and we stay connected. So I really appreciate that. I'd like to thank Atia for her time today and for sharing her personal experiences with us. February is Black History Month and an opportunity for us to recognize and celebrate the contributions of African Americans in the United States. Please continue to listen this month as we will be exploring more of the African American experience in the military community. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, and give today's show a five-star rating. And don't forget to leave us a comment on topics you'd like to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to the Ramstein Enlisted Spouses Association for supporting this episode and Consentus Media for audio mixing. I'm Nikki Harrison, and until next time, in a world where you can be anything, be kind 